Okay, let's pray together. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor, and darkness is my closest friend. Father, I just want to thank you for this Good Friday. Guys, we're here. As we have gathered to hear your word, I pray that, God, that we would open up our hearts and our ears to receive and to hear your word. And, guys, you transition now to your message. I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleased in your sight, O oh God, will be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, watch over us. Watch over this church. Watch over your children. Speak to us, Lord, for we are listening to hear your word, to hear your voice. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. All right, happy Good Friday, everyone. Uh, it's good to see everyone. And I'm excited to be here uh, to have this service with you tonight. And I pray that as we give this message, as we hear this message, that our ears and our hearts will be open to hear the message that God has in store for us tonight. So the title of today's message is called, My Child, I Have Suffered. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, My Child, I have, have suffered. Suffer. And the main passage today, the main passage for tonight is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. So let's go ahead and go right into today's scripture. It says this in verse 5, that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then it says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And for tonight's message, I would like for you to remember these three things tonight. Focusing on verse 8, verse 8 where it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's a simple passage, but yet it's profound and and deep. Focusing on verse 8, number one is this, perfect humility. Can we turn to our neighbor and say perfect Humility. Humility. Let's look at verse 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, it says, He humbled himself. And the key word here is humble. And to go off what this humility means, letter A, he was born as an infant, meaning he was helpless. He was born to, from the help. He needed help from the help from adults to help him. He was born as an infant. Letter B, he was born into poverty. He was of royalty, but not born and raised in a castle. Born into poverty. And let us see, he lived an earthly life. An earthly life. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And he fulfilled the call. God becoming man, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And the best way for us to understand the incarnation of Jesus Christ is when as adults, when we talk to babies, we talk to them in baby language. We go to our knees and we talk to them in baby tones. Why? For the sake of love. Meaning God enter our world for the sake of love. I've shared this story with missions where a bunch of kids were swimming in this dirty water. They wanted me to come in and to play with them. At first, I was hesitant. I didn't want to. But I went in for the sake of love. And in the moment I did, it was the most fun that we had. We're splashing water. Some of the dirty water got into my mouth. But why did I choose to do that? It's for the sake of love. It's about taking a form of a humble servant in order to love, in order to serve for the sake of love. And that's the message of Easter. The message of Easter is not egg hunt. It's not, it's not egg, Easter egg bunny. But it's for the sake of love. It was perfect humility. Number two, perfect obedience. Can we turn to our neighbor and say perfect? perfect. Obedience. obedience. Focusing on verse 8, it says, By becoming obedient to death. And the key word here is, here is obedient. He was obedient. Even if it meant it cost his life. Jesus gave up his life so that we can have life. Perfect obedience. And number three, perfect passion. Can we turn to our neighbor and say perfect? perfect. Passion. passion. It says in verse 8, even death on a cross. And the key word here is the cross. And tonight, I want to talk to you about passion. About the passion of Jesus Christ. Pain equals suffering. Suffering equals pain. Ultimately, it translates into the meaning and the love, the word love. Suffering for what you love. If you're passionate for something, you're willing to suffer for what you love. Sacrifice. 
And before Jesus Christ went on the cross, he suffered tremendously. He had crazy passion. He had perfect passion for you and for me. Let us understand and have a picture of what happened before his crucifixion and leading up to his crucifixion. The scripture tells us that after the Garden of Gethsemane, he was at Caiaphas' house. And at Caiaphas' house, if you don't know who Caiaphas is, he is the high priest. He's the leader among all the religious leaders. And it tells us in Matthew chapter 26, verse 57, it says, that those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. So we see that the teachers of the law and the elders, they all gathered here, not to support and to love Jesus, but they were there for one thing, to accuse him and to kill him. And we see that it's happening here in Matthew 26, verse 57, that they were at Caiaphas' house. And then after this event, it says in Matthew 26, a few verses later, in verse 67, it says that they began to spit and strike Jesus in the face with their fists. It says, then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? And we see that Jesus, he goes through the greatest betrayal of his life. When he was welcomed during Palm Sunday, people are shouting, Hosanna to the highest. We see here that people are so quick to turn their back against him. It says they spit in his face and struck him with with their fists and others slapped him. Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you. After this event, Jesus is placed in a dungeon of the Caiaphas' house in the ground. And we see that Jesus is kept all night. He's sleep deprived. And what they did here was illegal, for they could not hold trials at night, Jews and Romans alike. And Jesus, he went, he goes the entire night with little to no sleep. And when I had a chance to go to Israel a few years ago, our professor took us to the Caiaphas' house. We were in the dungeon. And our professor read Psalm 88, the prayer that Jesus may have prayed while he was down there before his final trial and before his crucifixion. And it's a prayer that I read in the beginning of the message. And it's found in Psalm 88. And I remember after my professor, he finished praying. There's no one in the room who didn't have tears in their eyes. For they could just imagine Jesus Christ, an innocent man, our King, our Lord, to be in a place where he was so alone, where he had no one to help him. Psalm 88 tells us this. And as I read this, if you could just close your eyes with me as we hear this prayer that Jesus may have prayed. It says this, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles 
and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit and the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me. With all your ways, you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me with like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me, my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Jesus spends the, the whole night at Caiaphas' house. You could open your eyes. And Jesus goes to trial next day. He stands before Pilate. Jesus, an innocent man, is found guilty, led by the high priest to kill him. And then we see that Jesus, the story, it leads into the scourging and the flogging of Jesus Christ. The soldiers, they scourge, they flog Jesus with a whip. And I'm not talking about a mere whip here where you whip someone and it whips back. This is a whip with several leather straps and thongs at the end and attached to it are metals and bones. And when you whip someone in this caliber, it will stick to the flesh. And as you pull back, it will tear, it will rip the flesh from the back and everything will be exposed. Eventually it will, it will rip the flesh and each whip will tear the muscles, the veins, and even expose the bones and at times the internal organs, the kidneys would be exposed, which would weaken the body of Jesus Christ. And his back would be a bloody pulp. Each whip, each mark representing his love for us. All this before Jesus, he goes on the cross. And the question is, if this isn't passion, then what is passion? This is what I call passion. The passion and the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then after this, the soldiers, they gave Jesus the crown of thorns. And this thorn would penetrate into his scalp. And Romans, they treat Jesus as a punching bag. 
They blindfold Jesus and they beat Jesus. They hit Jesus with fists, sticks, it says. And they spat on Jesus' face and they mocked Jesus. And the reference here is Matthew 27, verse 27 to 31. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So imagine the number of soldiers surrounding Jesus, this innocent man. They're not there to help him. Verse 28 tells us that they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand that they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again and again. Remember the crown of thorns. Going deeper and deeper into his scalp. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This was to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah 50 verse 6 where it says, I offer my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Jesus, he's a man. He did not run away. He was there to take it all. Jesus could have easily destroyed these evildoers. He could have destroyed them instantly. He could have even said all of their names. He could have brought their names, their family tree, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. But it says Jesus remained silent. As a sheep is silent before shears, as it says in Isaiah 53. He stayed silent, for he knew this was the will of God. Why? For the sake of love. For the sake of love. And then the story goes on. Jesus, he's carrying the heavy cross as he climbs the hill. Remember, his back. He's ashamed. He's beaten. His body is weak. And as he climbs, he's losing massive blood along the way. Remember, lack of blood, the loss of blood and the lack of sleep. He's stumbling and he's falling. And out of the crowd, they choose a man, Simon of Siren. And the scripture tells us that he is an African man who came to Jerusalem to worship. And he was given the honor and the privilege and the burden to carry the cross of Jesus Christ the rest of the way. And that's what it means to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus Christ. To know the weight of the cross. To know the weight of your sin that it came with suffering and pain. Jesus, he gets to the top of the hill. They place him on the ground. They stretch Jesus' arms and they nail him to the wooden frame. And these are not little nails that we put on our frame on the wall. These are spikes, huge spikes. And it will pierce his hands and his feet. These nails were meant to destroy the flesh, the body of Jesus Christ, to kill. After they nail him to the wooden frame, they lift up the cross and place it in the hole 
or the ground to keep the cross steady. And then during this process, again, he's weak. Loss of blood, he's fatigued. He's in tremendous pain. And he's not able to breathe. Asphyxia, also known as suffocation by death. He's held in this position. The muscles around the chest, it will fatigue and tire. And it will paralyze the body of the victim. And soon the muscles will begin to give out and you can't excel. Asphyxia, you can breathe in, but you have a hard time breathing out. And each breath, you have to pick up your body. You have to lift up with your legs and pull with your arms in order for you to take another breath. MacArthur commentary says, having been stripped naked and beaten, Jesus could hang in the hot sun for hours, if not days, to breathe. It was necessary to push with the legs and pull with the arms, creating excruciating pain, terrible muscle spasms, wreck the entire body. Not forgetting that the death on the cross was the most disgraceful death that anyone can ever go through. The most humiliating death that any human can face. And he's not able to breathe. Just constant up and down, up and down, up and down. As he pulls, he's just pulling. Again, he's held by the nails in his hands and his feet, for, sometimes for hours and for days. And death on the cross was a cruel death. It would take days to kill a person. We carry around necklaces, cross necklaces. We say things like, oh, it's so pretty. And we forget the meaning of what the cross really is all about. The cross symbolizes death and suffering and the weight of sin of the world on Jesus' shoulders. He's on the cross. Why? Again, why? The question is why? Why is he going through all this pain, this process? Why? Why is he suffering? For passion, for the sake of love. And if the, if the soldiers get tired of seeing this process, if, if the victim is strong, then if they want to make a quick death, they will break the legs. For they get tired of watching this repetition. Because if you break the legs, they won't be able to stand up, push anymore with their legs. They'll only be able to pull with their arms, which was impossible. And the result would be instant death. But none of his bones would be crushed or be broken, as it says in, his, in the prophecy of Jesus Christ. They checked to see if Jesus is still alive. They pierced Jesus. They jabbed the spear on the side of Jesus. And it says, as they pulled the spear back, that water and blood came gushing out. And the experts say that the only way blood and water could come out together would be if his heart had ruptured. And his heart had ruptured. Meaning when Jesus died, he died of a broken heart. Why? The weight of the world, the sins of human beings, the weight of the world on his shoulders, it was symbolic. Meaning as his heart exploded, Jesus was saying, I love you this much. For the sake of love. For the sake of love. That's passion. Jesus showed us three things again. 
perfect, number one, perfect obedience. Number two, perfect humility. And number three, perfect passion for you and for me. And do you know what the worst crime a Christian, a disciple could commit before God? It's not murder. It's not stealing. It's not some sort of sexual perversion or sin. Yes, they are wrong. But Revelation chapter 3, it reminds us this. That the worst crime that we could commit before God after knowing the suffering and knowing the meaning of Good Friday is lukewarmness. No passion. How can you live the same way after knowing me and my suffering? How dare you? How can we continue to live in our own rebellion? Scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 3, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. I wish you were either one or the other, So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do not realize. You do not realize. You do not realize that you are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor, blind, and naked. How dare we say God You are just one of the many things that I have going on in my life. My friends are here, school over here, social life there, my career here, my sexual life there, my family there. And over here, guys, a little piece of pie to Jesus. We give it to him. And sometimes church, when I feel like it, doesn't really matter. I go to church when I want to, when it's convenient for me. And in response to this kind of attitude, heart, and and mindset, Jesus says, how dare you? you do you not understand my passion I love you this much I love you passionately I made you I created you I planned you I purposed you I saved you I reserved a place in heaven for you and you treat me with half-hearted attitude and indifference how dare you I love you so much God is saying, I love you so much that I gave you my only, my one and only son to die on the cross for you. Jesus is saying, I want you. I want you either hot or cold. Lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach. And C.S. Lewis, he said it like this, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. I'll say it again. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Moderately important. No, Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you, which means we owe him our everything, everything we have, every millisecond, every second, every minute, every hour. If Jesus Christ did not, if Jesus Christ is not everything in your life, then go back home and continue living out your self-centered life, your comfortable life. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, 
is of infinite importance. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The gospel will either become your greatest hope or become your greatest threat. If you can please close your eyes with me. I would like to read from John 4 verse 23. And it says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And the question is, are you a true worshiper? Are you here to play Christianity and play games? Tonight, I would like to talk to two audiences. The first audience that I would like to talk to are for Christians, disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to repent and to run back to the Father and to find your passion once again and to pick up your cross and to run after Him. And if you could go ahead and do so now. And to the second audience that I would like to talk to are for non-Christians, for those who do not know Jesus Christ, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the question is, would you like to be saved? And the question is, how do you become saved? The Bible is very clear that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin and the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life only in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that anyone's name who's not written in the book of life, you'll be thrown into the lake of fire. So the only way that we can be saved and we can have eternity with Him is to believe. It says in Acts 16 verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The Bible is very clear that I am the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the way that we become saved, it says to believe, to declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And to believe in your heart that, you, that God raised them from the dead and then you will be saved. And if you're ready, if you're ready, if you're ready, please pray. Please pray. Please pray. And seek Him while He may be found. Seek Him while He may be found. Seek His face. Believe in His name. Declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Declare it and you'll be saved. Can we just take this time to pray together, to pray together. Again, to the first audience, repent, turn to him, run after him, run back to the Father, find your passion, pick up the cross and follow him. And to the second audience, seek him, find him, find him. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before you right now. I pray, God, that we will seek you. That we will find you while you may be found. Jesus, we need you right now. Lord, we thank you for this season. We thank you for everything that we've been through. God, especially during this season of Lent. For 2020. For the good. For the bad. For the ups and the downs. Father God, you are good no matter what. God, even when life, when life goes south, 
God, you are good. I praise you. God, even when you give and you take away, God, you are good. I praise you. For God, you are wonderful. For there's none that can compare to you, O oh Lord. I love you today. I need you right now. Jesus, speak to us. God, teach us your ways. That we may walk in your truth, O oh God. That we will walk with integrity. That we will walk in holiness and in righteousness. That we will live according to your justice. God, for the sake of love, you came to die on the cross for you, for us, O oh God. So we seek you. We seek you while you may be found. While you may be found. We need you right now. Speak to your children. Speak to us, Lord. For we are listening. If you're ready, please pray and repeat after me. If you could say, Jesus Christ, today I realize what you did for me. I want to say thank you. I accept what you did for me. And I will follow you. I accept your forgiveness. Redeem me. Change me. Restore me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you with all my being. With all my heart. And with all my soul. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. And God's people pray, amen and amen. So God, we just pray that the message that we heard tonight, that we'll be, we'll be sealed in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give all glory. And God, we pray against any attack, any attack of the enemy and any distractions, oh God. Thank you for teaching us and reminding us of what Good Friday is all about. So God, we seek you today while you may be found. God, we repent of our sins, return to you. We seek you for we love you and you are everything to me. You are everything to us. So watch over our church. God, watch over us during the weekend as we get ready for Easter. Lord, let our hearts and the words and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray, and God's people pray. Amen and amen.